Whoa, we are back for the 31st episode of the Home Matter Advantage interview podcast. Today, we bring on Johnny DeJulius for the third time and Bryce Meredith for the second. And this is actually one of the um, first interviews since, um, let's see, we did the first four interviews, um, both Jude and me, and this time we did both Jude and me. And it was four people, and the talking just went all over the place from the coronavirus to stories traveling in, in Spain and Iceland. Guys, this episode's just nuts. I really hope you guys enjoy. Um, got a big interview for you guys dropping Saturday with Jordan Burroughs, the guy right here behind me. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview, and I'm going to let it roll right here. All right, guys, here we are. The biggest interview we've had yet, a third time with Johnny DeJulius, second time with Bryce Meredith, and we got both Jude and me here. Let's let's get it on. Johnny, how's it going? What up? <laughs> I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to do this. Uh, wh- where are you right now? I'm in my car. I'm quarantined in my car. I've been uh, homeless for <laughs> Two weeks. Don't know where I am, what day it is, what state I'm in. Just living, baby. I actually might drive out to Wyoming and see Bryce. I'm on the way. Yeah. I, uh, I've been inviting everybody to Wyoming. We have zero coronavirus deaths. There's only 500,000 people here. Um, my parents are building a house that's literally in the middle of the mountains. So if we're going to fight any zombie apocalypses, it's the place to be, bro. I don't really have guns, but a lot of people around here got guns, so we can be strapped up and ready to go. <laughs> I like it. So get off the East Coast, boys, and get back over here. Damn, I like your shirt. Thank Which you. One? I do too. Oh, it's, it's, it's the Johnny jumping off of something, something, and wrestling treating a singlet. Yeah, oh, so man, if I you're only listening to this on the radio, you better check it out on YouTube because that shirt looks good. <laughs> Dude, where, Johnny, tell us where we can get one of your shirts, man. Uh, I'll send you one. Oh, he'll send me one. I'm just yeah. mean for the listeners. Oh, hey, I'll send them one too. <laughs> oh, actually, this is a good time. I don't normally plug, but I got some fanny packs coming out soon, guys. Fanny so, packs. Oh, yeah, I'll be posting them. I'll probably just go through Compound Wrestling with old Cliff Fretwell because he's the dog. Yeah, so we got some champion uh, B. Meredith Broken Dreamer fanny packs coming out whenever. I don't know. I'll just drop them here soon. But Nice. Oh, I'll yeah. let you do a plug, so get it, boys. Dude, hey, it's my turn. Speaking of Cliff Fretwell, like, he did our home out advantage shirts, too, and we actually still got those. So, uh, yep. Sam, we got to get rid of these shirts so we can get another batch out. Yeah, I got to get one to Johnny and Bryce. And we got a special guest on. You got to get him one oh, today. Yeah. You've had a big day, Sam. You've had a yeah. big day. Damn, this, has been, see, good. this has been good, productive quarantine for you. I'm pretty I good, used- yeah. I've used I'm, my quarantine. Do you guys know what Duolingo is? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're doing it. Spanish, doing baby. Spanish? <laughs> I'm on my hey. It took me it took me nine years to graduate college, but I'm a Harvard, <laughs> but I'm a Harvard man now. Uh, so now I thought maybe I should brush <laughs> up on my Espanol and I'm learning it and I can do that now. I can roll my R's. <laughs> no, I don't think that means you can speak Spanish. <laughs> I think a lot of white boys can do that, but they ain't speaking Spanish. <laughs> awesome. John, yeah. how's Harvard so, been? Harvard's cool. We uh, 
dude, I could not imagine being like a um like a full time athlete the way this isn't like a slight to you know any other conference, but like I, the only the only the only conference I know growing up was the Big Ten. So being a full time athlete like in the Big Ten and then also adding like the rigorous Ivy League academic schedule, it's insane. Because I thought when I got here, oh maybe like athletes will value academics a lot more than wrestling and wrestling will be like the how, how kind of we treat school you know what i mean i don't want to act like school isn't important because obviously it is but there is a difference in how you treat it mm -hmm. when you are a full-time athlete and they treat it the exact it's like boom both at the top it's insane like these guys will stay up to like four in the morning every night studying and it's not like they're cramming for something the next day they actually have 4 a.m worth of work to do and then they got to come in. So, like, as coaches, we have to, like, work around that. Hey, we can't have early practice because they have midterm next week. They're going to be up all night this week. Like, it's crazy how, how we have to work around it. It's nuts. But it's good. I like it. I totally agree with you, bro, because Princeton's obviously the number one. Oh, school I forgot. Yeah. We're and, in Ivy <laughs> And, yeah, we're just Ivy League boys now. You know, we're just, you know, we're in Ivy League. Have you sat in on a Princeton class? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> I sat in on a Harvard class. Yeah, you're actually like a real coach, so you probably could get away with that pretty easily. I, I'm not really actually connected. I'm RTC, bro, so I'd be like <laughs> yeah, – like this, dude, this dude works for the Trump administration, and he teaches one semester, one day a week. And I sat in I like a three-hour class, had no idea what he was saying, <laughs> had no idea what he was talking about, but it was actually pretty cool. He was very down the middle too. Like he wasn't biased like, like Republican, straight down the middle, really cool. That's cool. That's it's a really nice thing to see nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, think especially at like uh, Harvard, which is super left, and then the teacher being super right, he was straight down the middle, which was dope. Yeah, that would be a fun little dynamic for sure. I would enjoy to sit through that. Yeah, this That's one dude. I just got to start thinking. This like, one dude. I, I almost wanted to argue with him. I, I was thinking about it. <laughs> Light him up. You gotta like, be careful though, arguing with the Harvard kids or professors. Exactly. You gotta exactly. Be careful there, Johnny. I will. How's um, how's training going for you two though, huh? Well, Jude just took fourth at states. I think I'd, yeah. say, it's, I'd say it's going pretty well for him. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's going all right. Like training in itself, though. In quarantine, yeah, you can't work out. So, what are some home workouts? You know, you guys have probably interviewed. You've interviewed special guests this morning, me and Bryce. What have you heard people have been doing while they're home? And what have you guys been doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I do know, like, so for me, I've just been doing um, like a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of push up, pull up. Um, I also have mats in my basement, and so I wrestle with like my dad and my brother. Um, and also M2, which is the club I wrestle for, David Taylor's club. They, we've been having online virtual practices. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. But like he puts us through uh, like basically a shadow drilling workout, and if you have a partner, you can do it with him. Um, I wanted to do a virtual clinic. I think that'd be cool. It is cool. Tony Super Ramos is doing it right Zoom. Now. Yeah, Tony Ramos tweeted it after I tweeted it. I hope Tony hears this. Because I tweeted it <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes before he did, and I was angry. That's funny. Nah, okay, I'm just kidding. It's good. Sam, how about you? How have you been training? Um, so, a lot of, like, Johnny, you know my little brother, Eli. I've been wrestling with him a bunch. My and favorite herring, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love running, so I've been doing a bunch of running. We have ropes in our house hanging from the ceiling, so I climb a lot of ropes. Um, I did a Mark Trella daily workout the other day. Um, it was Mark Trella every day since he was like a junior in high school or something, did 400 
push-ups, 50 pull-ups, and 50 chin-ups every day. Wow. And uh, he did that all through college, all through high school. And um, I think he still does it a lot. Anyway, um, I was doing it for Beat the Street Chicago. They were doing some kind of fundraising thing for it. And um, I threw in a two-mile run. And so I just videoed myself doing it for them. So that's what I did the other day. That was great. Why don't you throw it up on the site, Sam? Why don't you put it on – Put it on our website. Yeah, I could do that. That'd be awesome. Do it. They'd be dope. This is that's something here. Like, I would love to start getting like m- more like actual wrestling on our website. Like, I would love to like put technique up on there. I'd love to um, workouts, things like that. I don't know. Just start start branching out. Look for see if we can do something different. So we're not just like technique videos are important. You know, I I'm like kind of getting into jujitsu and stuff now. Um. Really? Just because I think it's really cool, and I always see these technique videos of jujitsu on, uh, on Instagram and stuff like that. But I always question because, like, you do see. I'm going to talk a little bit of crap real quick. You do see a lot of people who don't know proper technique putting a lot of technique videos out in wrestling. So I always have to question, like, is this jujitsu guy like one of those you know other guys that are teaching wrestling moves, or is yeah. he like you know? It makes me question it. Yeah, that's funny. Mm. Dude, I grew up on the Carrie Colot YouTube videos. That was yeah, I watched those pretty awesome. right there. Heck yeah, that's cool. Bryce, Bryce how have well, you yeah, been as, training? As you guys know too, like with like technique, it's it's so crazy how I feel like you can almost do every type of technique, but then when it comes to like a live situation, you can't do. It. Oh yeah, percent of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's where I get like a little jaded by like technique videos and stuff because I could teach you guys how to do. I don't know, probably. 90% of wrestling techniques, but I do like 10% of them in actual live matches. Right. So I just get kind of like, I don't know, like with people with like, with, with obviously now like with the home workout, this and the wrestling videos, this and that, I'm just like, sometimes it just gets a little watered down at this point for me. And it's, it's still really good, but like I just sometimes get a little annoyed by the same, the same thing. Mm-hmm. I guess, over and over. And it's, are you saying like, are you saying sparring is more important than drilling? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that, right? Like specifically, I'm just saying like people can teach 40 sweet techniques on one DVD and then it's, but for you to actually be able to do that in a live match, any of them is probably so slim. For like, sure. 40 people, they have like their one or two main shots. They have their one or two things they do on top. They have their couple things, you know what I mean? And they have their couple yeah. in the middle. Like we have this saying at Harvard, we call it a, uh, um, it's not a saying for wrestlers. It's like a, it's a real thing. It's a graph. It's called the BCA curve, and BCA curve is. I always, I, I've probably said this before to all you guys, maybe except Jude. Um, I always use the analogy of I'm playing pool, mm-hmm. and I always yeah. say when you're playing pool, and uh, you know I used to play with my dad growing up a lot. I would hit in. Uh, I, I can always make the straight in shots like real easily, but. My dad would always beat me, but I would only lose by like a ball or two, so I wouldn't feel that bad about it. He's older. I was young, whatever. All of a sudden, he says, hey, put English on the ball, which means put a little bit of spin on the ball. And what happens is instead of making those straight-in shots that I always make, I'm thinking ahead. I'm trying to do something different. I'm putting spin on the ball so I can leave the ball certain places. All of a sudden, I miss my easy shots, and I, and I essentially like from, from – a from a aesthetics, you know, standpoint, I look worse. I look like I got worse at the sport of pool. If it's a sport, I got worse at the game because I'm missing these easy shots that I always make. Now, now my dilemma 
is do I continue doing the uh, thing that makes me look worse, but ultimately I get better over time, or do I go back to what's comfortable where I'm knocking in the straight-in balls, I'm playing it safe, and I'm still losing by that little bit, but I'm not really growing at all, right? And Harvard calls it a BCA curve because you started a B, right? And in order to get to an A, sometimes you have to go to a C before you get to an A. So you have yeah. to get worse because you spread yourself thin, and then you go up. And it's an interesting concept. I feel like that's a lot with drilling. Like we yeah. try all these things, like Bryce said, 40 things are watered down. I'm trying all these stupid things. All of a sudden, you know, pride hits me. Should I keep doing this? Because I'm getting my butt whooped. You know what I mean? Or do I go back to where I'm comfortable? You know what I mean? And probably not grow that much. You know what I mean? That, that's kind of like the dilemma I feel like a lot of people deal with. Yeah. I always that's say that cool. like both sides are true, right? Like the idea of, all right, let's just bring it back and do the things that you need to get that you are good at and like the fundamentals of just head blocking and this type of yes. stuff, you have to come back and do those things. But then there's also times that you have to let it fly and try new things. So they both. 100%. Well, like I was like, yeah, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, the basics are basics for a reason. There's a reason we learn how to, how to sprawl first, right? Oh. When we're little kids, it's because it works at the highest level, like in the Olympics, basic techniques, you know, um, not to say like, it, you know, I know I've had this problem where like I forget the basics as I'm going because I'm learning so many techniques and I, and I stray away from the things that I know is going to be consistent. Um, 100%. You know, like imagine, imagine, like I just said before we got on this podcast, I was learning Spanish, right? And I thought about that. I was, I was learning in progression on this app. Imagine if I learned how we learn wrestling. We learn, if, if little kids are out there that are 8, 9, 10 years old that are learning from five different coaches you know they go to you know and i'll use ohio as an example because i know those coaches they go to burnett on mondays and wednesdays they go to colin palmer's on tuesdays and thursdays they drive all the way to pa on the weekends to train with david taylor then they come back and they have their like local coach that they you know always talk to and always see they're learning you know chapter one spanish then chapter six spanish then chapter three spanish then chapter seven spanish like they're learning out of order so i think the best thing when you're little too is just grabbing one guy you trust and trusting the process of working with him for a while. Now, it's okay to cherry pick a little bit, right? There's always like moderation, but you don't have to jump around like all these youth wrestlers do all the time. They jump mm -hmm. sporadically from club to club all week long. And I think that's a really dangerous thing. Sometimes they do that though for partners and stuff. For live, um, it's fair. Yeah, fair point. Right. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. But sure. I, I completely agree with you. Like, you got to commit to a coach. Um, got it. That, and, that and, and the dad has to get has the heck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wrestle at Young Guns a lot. And um, if you've ever been, they practice at UPJ. It's um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know UPJ. Like D2 school. Yeah, I know and, Shane um, real well. Their wrestling room is really closed off. Obviously, most college rooms don't have room for spectators and stuff. Um, so parents, it's really hard for parents to watch. And um, – if the parents really want to watch, they'd be coaching. And what Jody does is he has the, the coaches come in or the parents come in, and if they want to really be a part of the team and watch their kid, they need to watch all the other kids and teach them and, and coach. That's um, good. And I, I really like that when I first heard it, just because so many dads and, and moms are there to um, watch their kid and only focus on their kid, mm -hmm. and it puts a lot of pressure on their kid. And I feel like if the if the parent would just either 
not be that involved or be that involved, but also offer coaching to all the other people. Um, I think that's what, what needs to be focused on. But um, to your point about the, uh, the sparring drilling thing, Bryce, I think mm. that a lot of coaches, at the, especially at the youth and high school level, completely underrate sparring and live for the feel. A lot of coaches use never use sparring and um, only use live for the conditioning. And it's like they drill for the technique, they do live for the conditioning, and that's all they do. I think you need to be able to use drilling for conditioning and technique in sparring and sparring for feel and live for technique. And you need to mix all the different things around to get all the right feels to be able to compete well in the match. Sure. And it's also like, you know, especially when like drilling technique, you know, it's not going to be the same every time, right? Because you're going to wrestle lots and lots of different people. Because wrestling re- happens. Yeah, wrestling happens. Um, and so if you're drilling the same move over and over and over again, um, you know, you get in a match and all of a sudden something happens that you don't expect. It's going to, it might throw you for a loop. And so I know that, um, you know, at M2, we do, oh, you know, we do a decent amount of play wrestling. And so it really helps you learn the positions in and out. Um, there's a lot of different partners. And so you can really figure out like how to work through positions and stuff you might not be comfortable in. And, and you know, that's how you can get comfortable. In 100%. Positions. Like, you know, uh, a big part of what I think a problem is, is a lot of kids, high school kids, even college kids don't spar the right way. So like you said, Sam, a small percentage of coaches even implement sparring into their programs. But when they do, there's a lot of pride involved. So, for example, um, sometimes it's good to just have like a really grind hard, you know, competitive spar. I like that. There's times for that. But then there's also times for like not having pride. He takes the advantage in a position. You know, for me, the most creative position in wrestling, I think, the most creative you can get is backside single. Now, sometimes backside single shelf, like on the mat, or, or, or backside single, you know, we have it all the way up, pitted foot. I think just in general, that whole position of wrestling is the most creative you can get. So, if I take the advantage of the position, maybe I wizard and I shoulder down real hard, I, sh- I could win that position right there. I could maybe limp leg out and just end the position. Or I could let him kind of bump me off, climb back up, get his hand back above the knee, and extend the wrestling. We had a saying at Ohio State called, never be married to any one position being married to a position is is dangerous because if i have a great crotch lock right and i use it every single time every single time every single time all of a sudden someone starts to go out the back door what do i do i marry the crotch lock right i marry it i hug onto it i probably lose the position but if i'm able to detach from that position and extend the wrestling a little bit especially in a spar i grow my wrestling right now, back to Bryce's point earlier, I don't love when people try 70 different things. I, I, I agree. Dance with the girl that got you to the prom, right? Dance with her. Dance with, with, if you have a great single leg, double down on it, triple down on it, quadruple down on your single leg. Get better at it. But in the little idiosyncrasies of your single leg, grow the wrestling. You know what I mean? And the, the sparring is, 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 in my opinion, the best way to, to, to get as creative as you can and get as uncomfortable as you can if you have little pride you know, different pockets of wrestling at the right time. That's at least what I think. I don't know if Bryce, Bryce has a, a different take on it or not, but. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, and then I think, so for me, right, 
I ended up getting a little bit too comfortable in that fountain position where you're laying over the top, over the top. Right. You're so I got comfortable in that position. I felt because I would just play and extend positions So, ah. so often with my partners, because if not, if you're just sprawling on your partner every single time, you're just kind of being an a-hole partner. You know what I mean? And you're going to win. So then I felt like I got so used to just letting people grab my leg. I'll float over the top. We'll scramble for 20 seconds, and I'll figure out how to win the position or something. Mm, like interesting. And so I felt like me doing that so often, I messed up my reflexes of sprawling. So it's like – I don't want to scramble. I really don't. If you look at like a lot of my national tournaments and stuff, like I'm not the one starting to scramble that often. It's mostly other people because I'm the one shooting all this. Yeah. Stuff. I don't want to scramble. That's why I always try to tell kids, which is like a different conversation, but I don't want to scramble. But I felt as if I got so comfortable with trying to grab somebody's head, pull them. And if they did grab my leg, I'll just float over the top and I'll win the position that I started ruining my own sprawl. If you do, do you consider like Sammy Sasso, for example, someone who has great leg attack defense, or even Jay Jaggers? I know I'm using Ohio State guys. I don't consider that them scrambling as much, though. It's like an unconventional offense because if someone gets down their legs, right. they're really good at scoring. You yeah, know what I mean? so it's almost unconventional David offense. David Taylor and Jordan Burroughs, those guys can scramble better than anybody, but it's not scrambling. It's just it's not offensive. Yeah, things happen. So that's where. Like kind of what I said, like a like another part of this conversation, like when kids go like, oh, I like scrambling like you. And I watch them wrestle and they stand there with their legs straight out and they don't shoot and they don't do anything. Right. Let them die. And then they dive at an ankle and roll. And I'm like, and I they roll. I don't even know how to do a roll. Yeah, under. I don't like that stuff either. I agree. Yeah. So I get really I mad at people that. when they talk to, and they're just like, hey, will you teach me this? I'm like, I don't know that. Like my scrambling is different. It's mostly because it's an offense. It's off my offense trying to like, you know what I mean? So Right. But I do think I kind of messed my sprawl up a little bit. Because, because you did it so much. Yeah. Well, I you just, know, I, I talked to Seth Gross. I interviewed him a while back, and he was telling me, like, when he was a kid, he was really, really slow, and he had slow reflexes. And he started making bad habits of not sprawling mm-hmm. because he, he, it's easier than to develop speed. And that's really why he's such a big scrambler is because when he started out at 10 years old – he didn't like sprawling because it was hard to him. And instead of developing more speed, he started to learn how to scramble, and he started to like that more. And I think um, Seth Gross is a guy. Uh, you talk about maybe not as much st- scrambling, but Seth Gross, Dean Heil, those kind of guys are more roly-poly. They'll grab your legs and roll it. Well, it seems like in a position like that, in a 50-50, um, there ends up being one guy – that holds on for stalemate stops improving. There's yeah. another guy who doesn't concede to a stalemate and says, Hey, maybe I can win this. Usually the defensive guy, and I'm not talking about anomalies like Sasso and, and, and gross, but there's anomalies that uh, are, I'm sorry, not the anomalies. There's, you know, the ordinary average wrestler gets shot on. They whizzer, they stop improving position because they would like a stalemate to happen. I feel like the way wrestling's going, like the trend that it's going a few years ago, 2011, 12, like Delgado era, it was a lot of leg passes. And now, um, I hate bringing up Bryce's, you know, finals match, but that guy, right, him and Sasso and all these guys that are wrestling right now and, and Ironman, it's more, it's kind of cradles. You know what I mean? It's kind of like leg attack defense to cradles. Bryce too. Bryce is in that, is right in that category. And that's like. You just a, listed a all 65 kg guys. 
Or even like well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's wild. Name, name, name the most exciting weight class. So I'm sorry, you know. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Or even so, like when Desanto shot on RBY, like in the Iowa duel this year, like you know, RBY was able to his uh, go-to defense was a cradle, right? He pulled 100%, out the One hundred percent. David Taylor. David Taylor's kind of a trendsetter in that. He, you know, a lot of wrestling is trends, and right now, leg attack defense with like rerouting the head inside, whether it's cradle or not, a lot of trends right now is leg attack defense and i think that's the way it's kind of like heading for the next couple of years it's pretty interesting to see how trends happen in wrestling you know for sure yeah. yeah it always makes me really wonder like how much better are we than people in the 80s how much better are we oh my gosh and it's like you know pridefully thinking you always think that your your era is probably better because of this and because of that but always i always just think the sports are getting better and 20 it's years su- it's such a bias better than what we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah like how many times bryce have you gone back to your state tournament in wyoming and been like oh man when when i was in high school it was so much harder that he's a state champ really and oh, it's like yeah. you have no idea you know if you i'm do, if you i'm learning college, kids, in college you do it with that? college kids like if there's like an all-american in college 100 like, you fight that demon all the time you know what i mean you're just like, all the time like what that guy can become an all-american that's crazy but 100 percent. it's just that's funny they're like the back in my day (laughs) if i'm learning something right now in college or post-college and i go back to sam and jude and i teach them at a memphis clinic they're gonna know it at age 13 you know what i mean and all of a sudden at 13, what are they learning at age 20 that they're bringing back to 13-year-olds? And it's just a continuous snowball. Right. And then with, with the um, growth of – so, like, I, I think I'm a very technical wrestler. I think that's mainly where my skill set is. And I think the majority of that comes through the technology that I have and the, and the wrestling that I'm able to watch that you guys maybe didn't have as much as I do. Um, that's a good point. And I've, I've talked to a bunch of people about this. Like, I was talking to Gabe Dean on his podcast, and he was talking about how um, he, like, I, he said, I remind him of him when I was his age. And I was telling him, yeah, I completely believe that so many of the guys right now who are wrestling and um, love wrestling would totally be doing what, what Jude and I are doing right now if they had what we have. Mm-hmm. Like, just Just the era of technology that we're in has given us so many new um, abilities to improve in um, our fandom of the sport, our understanding of the higher levels of the sport, and then our skill sets. Like I can go on YouTube and watch carry call out videos to, to get better and stuff like You're that. You're a big it's carry like, guy, huh? <laughs> well, I, was, I made a joke. About carry, dog. <laughs> I, was, I made a joke about that earlier, so I was trying to. And you know, so, something know, else yeah, is like, care. I mean, I know this isn't the case for everybody, but like my coach is a world champion, right? You know, I wrestled David Taylor, th- teaches me things. And obviously like I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that and things like that. But you know, t- when my dad was in high school, that kind of thing was unheard of. There were so few world champions who were having their own clubs and stuff for high school and youth kids. Now they're oversaturated. Um, now there's now, you know, <laughs> now everyone's a world champion. You know? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm saying the clubs, not not not. <laughs> not the clubs. Wow. Um, but I, I, what I'm saying is that there's, you know, the level of coaching is higher. You know, it's raised. There's a lot more higher accolade coaches now. Um, so it, it just keeps on. It'll keep on trickling down as long as 
the wrestling's going to keep improving at the highest level to keep on trickling down. And next thing you know, like, got junior high kids winning Super 32s. You got, you know, youth kids doing incredible things that you wouldn't, wouldn't expect them to. 100%. The market, I'm actually curious what Bryce thinks about uh, – Bryce has a good take. Not to, like, change the topic completely, but you can kind of, like, piggyback into it. But Bryce is a weird, like – I don't, you're anti – Folk style hurts our freestyle success, aren't you, Bryce? Say that one more time. Aren't you? Yeah, don't you? Don't you disagree? I thought you did. We talked about this in Vegas one year. How folk style doesn't hinder our freestyle performance? Yeah, I mean, I think it can. I mean, obviously, individually, it can a little bit. Looking at myself, you know, like there's certain positions that I just can't get into now because what was, was it scrambling? You'd like better in not scrambling. That's bad word, but like just. Do you like folk style better as a whole? Is that what you were talking about? I forget. So for me, I, I enjoy freestyle. I enjoy like that, the high moves, the yeah. fact that like firemen's carry you, it should be worth points. You know what I mean? But in like folk style, somebody could firemen's carry you and you could scramble out of it and it would be zero, zero points almost. You know what I mean? Sure. Stuff like that. So like I, I enjoy the aspect of that, but I think there's something to be said about grinding in the top bottom positions and grinding out takedowns in a control manner rather than just an exposure manner that you can break people. Because I always felt my mindset in folk style wrestling is if we get in a seven-minute wrestling match where we're taking each other down, we're wrestling top and bottom, I'm riding you, I can break you, I can do these things, I was confident that I could beat anybody in the country. For sure. Even if I didn't, I was I 100% believed I, would, I could grind out seven minutes tougher and then you, and then right. it since it's so exposure based. I feel like sometimes in like, you guys have probably felt this too. Like sometimes you just like lose a freestyle match and you're just like, I, I don't even really feel like I lost. I yeah. Just, right. Like, I, I gave that one. I gave that one for sure. Like, you yeah. could be up eight zero in freestyle and 15 seconds later it's tied. Yeah. Or like, you know, like a lot of people were like, Oh, it's, Oh, what about like you're scrambling and this and scrambling and that. And I'm just like, you want to be honest? The last, uh, four matches that I've lost, I've only been taken down, and this isn't true, but I'm just saying, like, I've only been taken down twice. I've been front headlocked and around like an alligator. Yeah. Right. Like, it's so, like, I just felt like someone pulls the cold spray trick out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, for me, it's just, um, I felt like when I lost a, a folk style wrestling match, I felt as if, like, dang, that guy actually maybe killed me. Like, it's kind of like more of like a fight. Like, I'm mm -hmm. exhausted. He beat me. Exhausted. Seven, and then Freestyle, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. He just kind of exposed me and spun me on my back once. You know what I mean? And Yeah, like, I let it get away from me. Yeah. But I do like the idea of the big points in Freestyle, too. You know what I mean? So 100%. It's, That's cool. it's, it's hard. I, I enjoy them both, obviously. And I've, I just – I probably should have just wrestled Freestyle more throughout college. But I was taking time off. Like, the college season's long, so I just like, don't enjoy myself. Which I, people, 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 especially dads now, they think that you shouldn't. Yeah, especially when you're older. Like, you're, yeah. you're older, you're kind of the wrestler that you're going to be. You know what I mean? You can take a month off and you'll be okay. When you're a young kid, like, maybe don't take a full month off because you might get left behind. <laughs> For sure. How I, if I, ever t I don't think I could take a month off. Like, yeah, that's how a lot of people. I don't think it'd be possible. Yeah, but a month yeah. off of, of of hard grind. You don't yes, need. absolutely. You know what I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I think, 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 think,
there's been times I've taken like weeks off the mat, dude. I just, yeah. I, I mean, probably a month and a half even, you know, throughout the whole summer, I get on the mat maybe one time in that. And it's like the, the summer that I took the most time off, I came back and had the best year of my life. So it's like, yeah, it's insane how good you wrestle after that break. Like you're cramming, 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 grinding, grinding, grinding. You almost get into like a, uh, like a lull of doing the same things. I know what he's going to do because I've wrestled in the past 16 weeks in a row. All of a yep. sudden I take like three weeks off. I come back whooping people's butts and I'm like, I thought I was gonna be out of shape. Like kind of not, you know, hitting my stuff right. But I come back wrestling really good. It's weird how that works. Yeah. I get like an explosive step back when I take time off. Yeah. I'll start like hitting blast doubles and stuff. So I just feel like, I'm, yeah, yeah. like yeah, like I'll be hitting dudes hard, you know what I mean? But like when you just wrestle every day for four months straight, like you just get in a lull. Well, you know, 100%. I was talking to Jordan Burroughs this morning, and uh, he talked about in 2013 when he hurt his ankle. That was four weeks before Worlds. He was off the mat and barely wrestled before the uh, the World Championships. Yep. And he said when he got back, he, he almost felt like a better wrestler. Um, Weird how that works. Hmm. He said that the other guys were, were training hard through it, and he had been going hard. He had he had four years or five years of hard college, and uh, then immediately into the world stage, and he had been going hard for a long time. And yep. that break actually helped him. Obviously, when he competed, he was still wobbling around on his ankle, but he was able to stay in shape by biking, and he felt like almost a better wrestler. And it's pretty cool how stuff like that works. Yeah. I was paired up with this. Mm -hmm. If you're a 12 year old kid and you wrestled your little club for three months, that doesn't mean you get two months off like Jordan Burroughs. That's what kind of, I feel mm -hmm. like you always got to say that like Jordan Burroughs was grinding for, you know what I mean? Five, six years straight years. Yeah. Top of the game. He can afford to take a little bit more time off or a little bit, you know what I mean? But right. And little kids should for sure still take breaks. I'm not saying that. Or yeah. younger kids, like you, your guys' age and stuff, take your breaks. But also, don't take a whole summer off. <laughs> Other thing is, like, I know David, David was, he, got, he was on Flow yesterday. He was on the Bader show. And David was talking about how, like, you know, he, he's been off the mat for however long now, since last May. And he feels better than ever before. And it's not mm -hmm. like, that, you know, he, of course he was injured and stuff, and he's never been really injured before. But now that his, his leg is fully healed, he has no aches and pains, you know. He's, he feels as great as he's ever felt. He feels strong, he feels fast, he feels powerful. Um, and he's able to go win, you know, Pan Am Championship and qualify spot for the Olympics. And, and beat so, Torreblanca. Beat Torreblanca, who's very tough, dude. He's a tough yeah. guy. That was so, great. It was just interesting about, you know, taking time off. Like, even, I don't know, even, like, so I would wrestle, like, all summer long, basically, like, at six days a week, and then I have one day off, and then I come back the next day, and I feel great. I feel fantastic. And, like, you know, taking time off, it, 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 it does help you. It helps you feel good. Well, be, being, able to, being able to know when something is, is beneficial, you know what I mean? I, me and Bryce, I've told Bryce the same thing a thousand times. Like, not I told him. We've had this conversation a thousand times. I always use the analogy, if you're driving in the car and you're going somewhere you really, really, really want to be at, like a party or a concert, or um, maybe you're going to the airport to travel somewhere that you've been looking forward to for months and months and months, on the way there, boom, 
you get in a, a, a flat tire, your, your wheel brakes, your rim bends, your, your tire pops, whatever happens. And now you're either going to be late to where you wanted to go or you can't go at all, right? So 20, 30 minutes later, you, you finally change your tire out. You get back in the car. You're on the way to, you know, maybe uh, same direction. And 10 minutes down the road, you see like a, a fatal car accident. So the thing that seemed like the worst thing at the time, popping your tire, actually saved your life. It was the best thing that happened to you. So, you know, like how Jordan Burroughs says, the ankle thing at the time, when he first broke his ankle, it was probably the worst thing that happened to him. It was probably horrible. He was probably like, oh my gosh, my dreams this year of winning the Worlds are, are shattered, this and that. But long term, he was able to say, hey, you know what? Because that happened, I was able to take time off and I became a better wrestler for it. So it's yeah. interesting how, how that stuff works. I forget Bryce's quote. It's something about good fortune. I, Bryce, what is it yeah, again? So, so it's you never know the consequences of good fortune and you never know the consequences of bad fortune. Yeah, that's it. That I like that. Thing, right? like which, and um, I, I heard another cool word for it. So, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of people in this world that are very, have a lot of victim mentalities and so much uh, victim mentality. They have almost like a paranoia that they think the whole world's out to get them. Everything is bad happening to them. It's because of this. It's because of that. It's because they're, you know, can you guys, I'm sorry to pause you. Can you guys hear the siren in, in my background? I cannot. Nope. Okay, good. Keep going. Yeah. So, so like a lot of people have a paranoia and what we need to have, and it goes very well with the you never know the consequences of good fortune or bad fortune, but it's like a pronoia. So the idea is everything, this world, good or bad, that is happening is either happening for you to be in a better place or people around you to be in a better place. And I try to look at that, you know, almost like even, and it depends on like if you're religious or whatever, whatever your religion is, like I feel like it should align with this idea that. Like life's never going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of bad things that happen. There's going to be a lot of hard things, but maybe if something really bad happens to you, it's because um, it opens up for somebody else. And you got to be willing to like bear that cross for somebody else. So, like you got to hold that weight for everybody else. So for me, it's like no matter what happens, you got to try to be pro noia about it. And it's hundred percent for the betterment of the world, not just you personally, but it's like, yeah, your yeah. Little be selfish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't know. I think a lot of reason why people have a paranoia is because they don't keep their egos in check. So they think everything is too much about themselves. And they go, this is, why is this not going good for me? Why is this not happening for me? And it's, you have to just hold the mirror up, realize it's not all about you. You are the center of a connection that's going to go to a lot of different people. But it's like, it's not about you. It's about us. It's about everything else. And it's like, for me, it's like, you have to be so selfish in that mindset that it's actually selflessness. And it's like, because it's for the betterment of everybody else. And yeah. Real talk. That's kind of just how I try to, I, and obviously it's, you know, nobody's perfect, right? <laughs> like we all want good remember things. You, remember when you told me time we were, we were traveling through Europe and you said you wished, I don't even know if you remember you saying this. This was cool. Bryce said, I wish people were the same way they were on trips as they are in real life. And I was like, what do you mean? And you said some example about how, how open people are to like, like we'll be in an elevator at a hotel and how often when you're traveling and you're on vacation in a hotel, you'd be like, Oh, Hey, where are you from? And you like are so comfortable talking to people, right? The four of us happen to be like decent at talking to people in general, but there's a lot of people that if they're not on a trip, they would never just ask the stranger in the elevator. Hey, how are you? Where are you from? You know what I mean? And, they would never be open to things going wrong as much as they are 
on a trip as they would be in the real world, you know? Yeah. And I remember you telling me that, Bryce, and that was a really cool, like, that was a cool observation. People are really like that. They're so easygoing about something failing when you're on vacation. You know what I mean? But if that happens at work or in business or, you know, with your relationship, not even like a big failure, but like a mini argument or something stupid, People like fall apart and they think it's the worst part of their day and it ruined their day. It ruined their week. Their holiday is over. It's just crazy how people think. Yeah. And I mean, Johnny's obviously one of the best at like having that mindset, just like a very nomadic rolling stone type of idea where you're just right. you roll with all the punches and you're, you're adventure ready all the time. Even if it's a, your day at work, if it's yeah, baby. Yeah, it could be a flat tire. Like, well, I'm on an adventure now. You know what I what's mean? What's that word? What's that what's that word from that trip you guys went on? Tataradas. Yes. Yeah, yes. roll the R, baby. Rattas. Yes. Alright, alright. I I wanna hear that story, guys. Okay. Are we good on time? I mean, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be okay. Hey, actually before you tell that story, I just wanna I have a real quick question. Just like what do you guys think about, you know, we're talking about how like things happen. You know, bad things, good things. You don't know the, how bad fortune's going to turn out, correct? So what do you guys yes. think about this, this pandemic that we're in right now? You know, people are losing their minds, right? We're, 100%. You know, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, you know, terror of this thing that not very many people understand. And, um, you know, we're being trapped indoors. And, you know, it's, it seems to a lot of the, the population, like, this is a bad thing that's happening. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Us four or five. Hey, real quick, real quick. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. Jude, it's not your guys's, it's y'all's. Try again. All right, go awesome. ahead. Thank you. All right. Is he go southern? Ahead. He's from, the, he's from the, the, the belt down there, y'all's. Yeah, but still, your guys's is still really weird sounding. Your guys's, your y'all's. So, we're all pretty fortunate, I feel like, Jude, you know, where I, I know I'm lucky where, uh, I don't want to say lucky, I work to where I am 100%, but. I, the economy's going, you know, down the drain. I'm still going to get paid by Harvard as a wrestling coach. However, there was this Egyptian, not, not Egyptian. So he was Middle Eastern. He actually might've been like from Iraq. I forget, but he's my barber. He's from Iraq or Afghanistan. And he moved here and uh, he was on the phone with his wife. He was talking to her. This is like two weeks ago before it even got really bad. You know what I mean? Just two weeks ago, like maybe a day or two after the NCAAs got canceled. I was getting a haircut, and my barber said to me, he said, hold on, my wife's calling me. Do you mind if I take it on the phone? Well, and he has a real thick accent, you know what I mean? Uh, he said, do you mind if I take it on the phone while I'm cutting your hair? And he happened to be talking in English. I'm sure he speaks, um, is it Arabic over there? I don't even know. What, yeah, what, what, normally it's Arabic, okay. yeah. So he, he was speaking in English to his wife. I don't know if she's American or if she's from Middle East, but he's speaking American or he's speaking English to his wife, and, uh, and he says, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, what do you think? should I pay rent at the barbershop this week or should I pay rent at home? Uh, wh which one do you think? And when he said that, I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, like this guy is, he has, a, he has kids, he has his wife he has to provide for. I have no idea if she has a job, if she doesn't have a job. You know, I know Middle Eastern culture, usually the guy is like the man of the house. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, assume too much, but I do know yeah. how their culture is where, where they usually take it, they, they take care of the home stuff and he, he provides. And I'm thinking about it, and it was so sad to me. You know, Harvard was supposed to be here till the end of May. 
and they all get sent away. And now his company that he just opened, this barbershop, this year, this semester started in January. Oh. Half of the semester has gone. All of his money is just like gone. He probably could have been prepared for the summer, but he wasn't because he didn't expect the pandemic to send people home two and a half months early. And it just made me feel for a lot of people. It sucks. Imagine moving here from a tough country that has been like, like ravaged with war and fighting for how many years? You know what I mean? He moves here, gets married, has his own company, has kind of like the American dream, capitalism, living in, you know, in a really nice Cambridge, Massachusetts, nice area, and then, bam, has no idea if he can pay rent or pay for his barbershop to keep money flowing in for rent later on. I mean, I just couldn't imagine being in that position. And, and I always say, like, I forget what cutting weight is like a day after cutting weight. After I start cutting weight again, like the next week, I'm like, yes. damn, this is harder than I remember it. Imagine never feeling something. Imagine never having felt cut weight. Imagine never being at a point where you don't know if you could afford this or that. And it just made me really feel for him. So, so my whole thought on the pandemic is I'm fortunate. You know what I mean? Whether it's fortunate from how I grew up with my dad or how I, how I work to where I'm at, where I'm able to get paid, no matter if there's a pandemic or not, I'm fortunate. And I feel for a lot of people going through it right now. It sucks. You know? <laughs> It really, I mean, it really just makes us recognize all the awesome things we have in our lives, like, you know, uh, training, for example, you know, something, something as, as meaningless as uh, a sport training to be, you know, a competitor, like, now our training's affected. There's lots of people all over, all over the state, all over the country who can't go wrestle now because they're trapped at home. Hey, Bryce, you're on mute um, right now. I'm not sure why. Hey, try to talk again. He's good. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I, it, it just makes me realize how how many things, how many blessings I have in my life um, that I wouldn't, wouldn't, like, that I take for granted, right? I don't know. It's just, 100%, bro. 100%. I think I've, I've probably have heard a quote. I think I've heard a quote, but it, it, it's something like you, it, it, takes, it takes a catastrophe to remind, to remind us, like, how, how good we have it. Um, I I probably said it wrong, but that, you know, it's true, right? True. It, I I've I've heard something similar like it takes what it takes not having something to really know how much you value that something. Mm. Um real talk. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is so I I saw like a tweet or whatever and it was like I don't it was like if you care about the stock market and money right now uh when people are sick then like you're you're the problem of the world and I I just completely disagree with it because I know, I know a lot of people, especially in this area, right? Um, I know somebody that he normally banks the majority of how he gets his income off of a bonus, right? And he gets a, he was probably, he was banking on getting 60 K this year on a bonus. And that's the life that they've lived for a long time. And um, they, they just got let, they just, uh, the company just let him know that they will not be receiving bonuses for the next two years. So, if you live that kind of lifestyle, right? That means your house is probably a little bit bigger. You probably have a camper. You probably have a boat, all these types of things. Now you're not getting 60K a year for the next two years. You're not going to be able to meet, make ends meet. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to file for bankruptcy. Um, people 401k are down 30%. My investment portfolio though has a lot of money to me is down 30%, right? These things are bad, bad problems that... Um, and I understand like, yes, there's a safety aspect that we got to do, but when the, if the whole economy craps on these people, um, 
you don't want to know what people have to do when their back's against the wall and they have families and everything like that. Um, there's a lot of middle American men that kill themselves when bills can't be paid, um, when they result to crime, when they go to fraudulent behavior, um, when they have to do racketeering types things because now their life is not anywhere near what it was at one point. So, and I'm not, obviously, I'm, I hope people don't result to these types of things, but for people to say well, yeah, that, it happens. like, oh, if you care about money right now, you're a horrible person. Um, money matters and it, it dictates a lot of people's life and safety and where their home is and their kids' meals and all these types of things. So I think we just have to be very sensitive to all aspects of this. Right? We've got to be sensitive to the health uh, concerns. We have to be sensitive to especially older people with health problems. Um, but we also just got to be very sensitive to the financial aspects of this and the repercussions of an economy falling on its face and people losing uh, their retirements, uh, their kids not being in schools. Um, you know, a lot of times kids, the safest place they can go in the world and where they get their only meals is at school. And now they don't have school right now. It's Damn, and, that's a great point. And I, it, there's just a lot of points that I think people are failing to mention. And I, I was on the side that I, when I first saw the coronavirus happen, I said, we do need to take this serious because we don't know what it is. It's, it is dangerous, but you know, it's like right now, if you're under 50, it's a 0.4% death rate, which is still not that high. So I think, I think here in a couple of weeks, and I have no idea, I'm an idiot, right? But I think here in a couple of weeks, <laughs> is we need to, if you have health problems, if you're over 50, if you're, if you don't have to work in an office or whatever, then you stay home. But I think the majority of the world kind of has to turn back on here eventually because I just, there's just a lot of dangers that too I much think, is going to happen if we don't turn back on. Yeah. I think a lot of people that are, you know, have their jobs still paying them and they live in a beautiful home with their family are sitting there acting as if like, why aren't you quarantining yourself? Why aren't you, you know what I mean? It's easy to say. Yeah, it's so easy to say when you're still in your comfortable place, but there is a lot of things and people right now that are, that are it's it's just hard, you know, and hundred percent such a hard thing. And, um, yeah, but I don't know. Heartbreak, heartbreak is very relative too, you know. If like someone's complaining, oh, if you're only worried about money, you are the problem. Like, there might be people out there. I'm sure there was a senior like Kalajic, you know who is more heartbroken over this than he would be about filing for bankruptcy if he was 10 years older. You know what I mean? We don't know. We don't know that, that how heartbreak affects people. And it's like, I think it's ignorant. People try to tell people, especially like on Twitter, what people should be sad about. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, you don't have it that bad. It's like, listen, this is bad to me and I'm different than you. So sorry. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Virtue yeah. signaling is a, is a very dangerous thing. And we see it a lot on Twitter and stuff where people are just like, they try to act as if they are so much better than you because they have because they yeah they think a certain way like yeah yeah I sad over wrestling. I'm more sad about wrestling than I would be if I didn't get my check this month. Sorry, like I, I would be if I was a senior in college. I would be yeah, sure. No, but First I'm not thing. saying that other people like have to think like that. I'm just saying that's me personally. What I would be affected by. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't want to get like I guess too watered down or too brought into the coronavirus talk because I just think that everybody is just, <laughs> we're just, what I've always said is I'm glad that we're all in the same boat. The whole world is almost in the same and boat. It's insane, right? 
So it's not like it's just our governing body or it's like USA Wrestling canceled the Olympics or whatever. It's like everybody pretty much is in this together. So that is one thing that I think is very um, like nice to be optimistic about is we're all in this right. together. Hopefully, hopefully people start realizing that a little bit more is that we really are way more connected. Um, I, I, I like how people have been complaining about how they haven't been able to socialize. But then I felt like last month, everybody's always tweeting like 2020, leave me alone or what, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I think people are starting to realize like, Hey, we are social butterflies. We're all on this one rock together. And there's things that we got to do to like help each other and be better, I guess. What'd you, what'd you tweet today? You said, you said, Oh, thanks for all the tornadoes and natural disasters for taking a break. Or something <laughs> Like, I haven't heard of anything. That, that was just, like, a hit on media. Um, and, obviously, I understand, like, there is a global pandemic going on. So, they are but going I, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen I anything. I haven't seen anything. I haven't no. seen anything about people getting shot. I haven't seen anything about – you know what I mean? And it's, like – it's just how the what media – What are funerals like right now? Is there nine people at them because you can't have ten? Like, you know. I, and I just recently saw this, but for me, I didn't know well, – at first, sorry, not to answer – I'm not answering your question, but – like what happened with the Australia fire? Like that just went away. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just felt in, I mean, that's just, it was just a knock on media and I don't mean it to be insensitive to anybody that's going through COVID or anybody that's going through a natural disaster or yeah. a tragic shooting, whatever. I just, the media just. It seems reports. to only be covering COVID right now. No. Yeah, definitely. And there's still gotta be some stuff going on, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So. It's interesting. So I remember, I remember getting a text, like, I don't know, a while back, probably a couple weeks ago. I got a text from my friend. He's like, "Jude, the stock market has crashed ten points," and I looked it up, and it said like, "Stock market crashes eleven points because of consumer expectations," and that means that means people are scared, right? That means they're hearing things and now they're pulling their money out of the, their, their stocks. They're trying to sell all their stocks and stuff and that's making everything go down. And I remember at the time thinking like, wow, we, it's almost like we shot ourselves in the foot, right? It's almost like we, we, we were, so, were so scared about this that it just keeps getting ramped up, ramped up, ramped up and all of a sudden it's just sliding downhill, um, you know, like a snowball. That's a good way of putting it. And uh, I, it's a slippery slope and a snowball effect yeah. of a lot of bad stuff. And that's oh, why you, guys are, you guys are smart. I don't know anything about stocks. Bryce is always, you know, yeah. and Mr. Stocks. <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. Stupid stuff, man. It's stupid. Yeah. But, and then Palacio, yeah. what, what's his stuff? The Bitcoin? Yeah. That's, I that's, don't know anything about that either. <laughs> Sam, here's a little known fact about me. In 2018, I bought $100 worth of Bitcoin. Yes. And then it just tanked, and it's probably worth like $20 now. And I'm just going <laughs> to leave it alone. I'm not going not gonna to mess with it. Maybe someday it'll make me rich. But like your, like your face, your eyes, and your 401k, just don't touch it. <laughs> I saw someone tweet that, and I was like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> That's funny. That's I like I that. that. Okay, so what? What? Before we get across topic, we, we we're talking about something with. Oh, one rest. second. I want Sam to talk a little bit about it, just because. Um, Sam, take over for one second on the Corona. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, my family, my whole family, really. So actually, I have six siblings. So not my whole family, 
but my family that's living at home right now has all been tested positive from corona. And really? Yeah. So um So you you and your brother? Yeah, my brother, my little brother, my older brother, my mom and my dad and me. And uh it it really didn't hit all of us very bad. For me it was like a um normal flu, I guess. It felt like a like a normal flu. And my little brother, older brother, my mom, it didn't really hit very bad. And my dad, it hit really bad. And he actually tested positive for flu A, flu B, COVID, and he had pneumonia. What? And so he Oh my gosh, dude, I had no idea. Yeah. So he had to go to the hospital for about four or five days. And uh, he is feeling a lot better now. He's been working in the yard, running around the house. Everybody's all healed. We're doing well. We're getting close to the end of our quarantine period. So uh, we're, we're pretty much finished with everything. But it really is, it, it really is a, a big deal. What was and, the uh, worst day for you? Like worst day feeling-wise for you? Not for like what you saw your family go through, but you physically, personally. Yeah. Um, okay, so it might have been – I don't know. It was one of the early days. Um, mm-hmm. So I got it. Get this. I had my state yeah. championship that weekend. Um, the weekend I got it. And it eventually was canceled, but I was ready to wrestle it at the state tournament. You had no <laughs> idea. I didn't know I had COVID. Wow, my dude. Dad You're the problem, Sam. And, <laughs> well, no, it got canceled, so I didn't get I'm to do it. You like but um, I no, I definitely would have. There's no way I would have been like, oh, I might have COVID. I'm not wrestling in state. Um, <laughs> no, I I wouldn't have done that. But um, I really so it hadn't hit my area at all. We're we're some of the first people in in our county to have it, and um, and so we really didn't think it was COVID. Um, but it was it was it was a crazy time. That's for sure. But well, Johnny, to answer you your question, like? I think yeah. it was like one of the one of the uh earlier days like one two or three mm-hmm. um but throwing up really, or what no i didn't throw up it was i had like fever headaches um a little bit of congestion and you know they said it was a dry cough i never really had the cough you know something i was talking about to um to someone else earlier was a lot of my family had a bunch of different symptoms my dad had obviously he had flu A and flu B, so those those symptoms could have snuck in there a little bit. But he kind of had it all, all the symptoms. My mom had a little bit of headaches and nausea. I had um, fever, chills, a little bit of congestion, and my little brother had um, stomach aches. So it was like we all had different symptoms, and it was mm. really weird. So it really confused me. But if you could, if if you could take contagious part out of it. Right, like yeah, you're not, you're not selfish. If you went to the state tournament, the contagious would have been gone. Yeah. And your worst day of symptoms, your worst day of feeling like just as crappy as you, you know, at the peak, could you have wrestled at the state tournament, or would you have Heck been yeah. way too uncomfortable? Heck yeah. Because I, I don't I'm care if I could have. I don't care if I could have or not. Yeah. I would have wrestled. I know, but yeah, but I'm trying to get a gauge on how uncomfortable it is. Like you know, God forbid, I catch it. Like I want to know how much discomfort yeah. I'll be in, or if it's like. If it's not going to, you know what I mean? I'm just curious. I yeah. haven't, I haven't, and I don't think it, it, like, it didn't hit me that hard. I, I definitely could have wrestled at state. Um, and you are really y- younger and healthy and I'm young and healthy and, and everything. I don't think it would hurt us very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Dude, I had but, no idea. 
Yeah. So Ready? it didn't hit me that hard. It hit, like I said, it hit me like a normal flu. I've wrestled in a bad conditions with the flu before. I, I definitely could have done it. Wow. Mm. That's crazy, man. Super crazy. Yeah. It, it was crazy, like, but we're all good now, so that's that's the good news. I don't know. After talking to you on this podcast, I actually I'm feeling a little. Yeah, like, what the heck, man? Uh, invite me on your man. podcast when you're coming. Why would you do this? Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> contaminate you all. Do the mic, man. Dude, let's hear that Blue Lagoon story now. All right, Tell go ahead, bro. Nah, Johnny, you got it. You're the, you're a good storyteller. We'll piggyback off each other because I'm yeah, sure I'll leave. Yeah, y'all gotta tell you. You guys gotta like tag team on this one. Yeah, for sure. So, so what I remember. Why? Why? First of all, why were you guys out there to start? I'll show you why. Hold on one second. This is why we're here. Bam! That's <laughs> why we're there. Okay. We're uh, here to go running hilarious. with the bulls in Pamplona. With cornrows. <laughs> okay, for those of you guys listening on the uh, the podcast form of this, turn it off. Go to YouTube and get to this, right now. this time mark, and you got to check out Johnny's background. <laughs> oh uh, All right. Yeah. Anyways, so we were in. We we're in. Uh, me and Bryce have been talking like over the summer. Hey, let's go run with the bulls in Pamplona, Spain. Running of the bull is is you know a festival in Spain. They have it every year, and uh, it was like a week or two before the festival started, and we still hadn't figured out like if we were going. Or we kind of always knew we were going. We hadn't like made anything like official, so we just were like, screw it, let's book it. We booked it, but we didn't want to. Uh, we didn't just want to go to Spain. We kind of wanted to make it a road trip, so we thought we'll fly into Paris. Um, kind of road trip down through France, head into Spain, uh, into, into Barcelona, see Madrid, and then, and then up to Pamplona. So we kind of made a, a, a whole – What, what a whole time of year was this? July. Summer. Yeah, okay. summer, July. And um, well, our layover to go to Paris was in Iceland. And we it wasn't like a two-hour layover, traditional layover, because we look for the cheapest flight, obviously. They always had the longest mm-hmm. travel days. So our layover was like – 17 18 hours you know it was awesome so we land and, and we're like hey let's go do something sick and the first thing you look up is always the blue lagoon like, background i can't look at bryce's mug anymore um, <laughs> so the first thing you look up you know is always a blue lagoon and what it is is it's a, a spring but it's a man-made bottom i can't i can't lie it is a man-made bottom at the time we, we didn't really know too much about it yet but it's a man-made bottom and they take spring water and they pump it in so it's basically like a big warm commercialized hot tub with natural spring water pumped into it you know what i mean it's really cool if you're not super adventurous but me and bryce we, we were pretty extreme where where we wanted something you know pretty gnarly but at the time obviously we're going there we didn't really know what to expect yet so we get there and outside of the lagoon there's a building and it's huge. It's not like a little office that you walk in, pay, and go. It's yeah. a restaurant. There's a spa. There's there's all this stuff inside locker rooms, and uh, and we get there and and at first, Bryce, wasn't there like some German group we almost tagged tagged along with? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so we were trying to go in, and it cost a hundred dollars. Yeah, so like a hundred dollars just to get in a hot tub. That's a little extreme. And then and like a like, ten hour wait. Yeah, and then and then they're like, well, you can't even get in until like ten hours from now, and we're like, what? Yeah. Okay, so then we're walking, 
and we there's this like German group, <laughs> and we're just, like, um, they're speaking mad like, like we didn't understand a lick of it. <laughs> and so we like try to sneak in with the German group, and we kind of get up to the front, and then they like ask us, they're like, "Are you with these guys or whatever?" And we're like, "Yeah, we're with them." And yeah, yeah, totally. Speaking English, <laughs> like have no German yes. or anything at it's all. It's all. better than speaking Spanish, right, John? Yeah, Johnny, we're over, buddy. You roll those R's. And so they were like, no, 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 no. You guys can't come in this group. You get out of here. And we're like, all right. So then we start exiting, and then we're walking, and then we go around the building. And when There's we go like around, rocks. We had to climb yeah, over like rocks. Rocks. Like, we were trying to sneak in. And so we climb over these big rocks. We come back down. But there's still the building that we have to go through. And so we look, and then there's just, like, a chef door, like a side oh. kitchen door open. And I just, like, look at Johnny. I'm like, should we go in? And he's like, duh. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else are you gonna do, right? Yeah, right? Because so we we walked in with so much confidence. We like just walked in, like saying hi to people. And if you walk in somewhere you don't know where you're going, and you like are like, okay, should I should I go here? Should I go? There? You look really out of place. So I remember we were just opening doors, acting like we knew what was behind it, but we didn't. We had no idea. So I always compare it to Scooby Doo, like when Scooby Doo runs out of one door and he runs in the yeah. other door. <laughs> Just dude, it just looked like that the whole time, going back and forth. Oh. And at one point, we were in like a like employee lounge, and everybody was sitting down eating. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's what got us caught. I think it was that door. Dude, it had to have. Yep. Oh, and then we passed through there. Finally, find you know. By the way, side note: this isn't you know justification for breaking and entering. You know the blue foreign. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But. This is justification for don't let people make you pay to see the world because that's no good. You should be able to see natural things on your own. Anyways, that's a whole nother topic. But <laughs> we, uh, we walk in and we, we, we finally find a door that leads to the lagoon. It's a huge thing, right? It's a huge pool. It looks like Atlantis, but, you know, snowy. And uh, no water <laughs> size, obviously. And um, we're, we're sitting there and we just get dressed right there or undressed right there. Usually, if oh, you go gosh. through the front, you have to go through a locker room. So you take your stuff off in the locker room, you get a code, then you get a wristband, you come out to the pool. We're walking through this lagoon, just dropped our stuff right there, jumped in, and we're high-fiving. Like, we just mission impossible, James Bond in our way, through everything, and then it just went south. Uh-oh. <laughs> who, security guards, they're yeah. pulling us out. They're, you know what I mean, going through the whole thing. We won't. Remember, our stuff was gone. You remember that? Stuff was gone. It was. Oh. We were just like, oh no, we're gonna get arrested. And what did you guys lose? Did you guys lose anything? No, they ended up giving our stuff back, but they just took our clothes so that like we couldn't just like run away because they had our phones in them and everything. Yeah. Every passport, had, like, like, at first, at first, I didn't know if we were tweaking because we saw like a bunch of suits like talking to each other and pointing over to us, but we were like, oh, maybe we're just paranoid. When I looked over, and our stuff wasn't there. That was like confirmation. Like you're like, yeah, we, oh, we got it. They got us. But within yeah. that 17 hours, we did that. We then drove to one of the largest waterfalls in Iceland where we were. Sal-Jalanda, we did Saljalandafoss and then Skogafoss. And we jumped over the ropes and we were right by the waterfalls, just not being where we were supposed to be. The whole then Justin we, Bieber music video. A whole Justin Bieber. Yeah. If you guys ever just go watch I'll Show You by Justin Bieber music video, we pretty much just did all that. We did it. <laughs> About 16 hours. Met up with random people in a random other hot spring. Up Dude, in we the picked up, no, we picked up the hitchhiker. <laughs> Everything. 
Oh, and that's where you learn the word, right? What, what, say it again. What is it? Enteradas? There was yep. this guy walking. No, this is before that part. There was this guy walking. I don't even know where he was from. France, Spain, one of those countries in Europe. And, uh, dude, he gets in the car and me and Bryce had to, like, plug our nose the whole time. It yeah. was bad. But Thank he was cool. But it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> We were like, where'd you sleep last night? He's like right up there outside on the on that little ledge. <laughs> okay. We got chased okay. by a hawk. We got <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. That was wild. Hawk was actually it would like come. Uh, we must have gotten close to its nest or something. Yeah, there's but no trees start, in Iceland, so nests are on the ground. Yeah, so it would start beelining oh, towards us and it like almost swooped at our head one time and then we we're like, Whoa, what the heck was that? And then it would just this on video. And then it would come back at us, and we would just, and then we just started throwing rocks at this hawk. It was, it was coming at us. It was, it was scary. It, and it wasn't coming from above down. It would come on our level, and then just boom, straight at oh, us. And we were like, "What the heck is this? Like, is this again? Is this paranoia? Are we just in our heads, or is this really <laughs> happening?" It was wild. But How yeah, fast it, he was going? That the Rodas, that they, the Rodas thing was was later on. Twenty miles, twenty thirty miles per hour. I bet. Yeah, it was fast, dude. It'll cut you up. It was fast, but we were. Uh, we ended up because we we got kicked out of the Blue Lagoon. We we, I think Bryce found this one. He was like on every forum you could think of, TripAdvisor, Icelandic forums, like looking for natural hot springs. Because like it was kind of a letdown going to like supposedly the prettiest hot spring and it being man-made. So we're like, we got to find a natural hot spring that's real, and he finds one. Like several hours away, several mile hike up this like glacier river. Like this glacier is melting off in the distance. There's blue glacier water, like you know, white water rapiding down. So we like hike up and find this one, and it was like steam, just glacier river, and then like a little section of it was just steam, and it was just a hot spring. It was the coolest Uh, thing ever. And it was like it was like midnight, but it was still daylight. That's right. And then we would like jump in the glacier water and then back in the hot spring. And then that's when we found those two young kids and it was, you know, 1230 at night or whatever. And we're like, all right, well, we got to start heading back to the airport so we could hit our uh, layover. And the guys were like, Oh, will you guys give us a ride back home? And we're like, uh, yeah, I guess. Sure. It started and raining then, too. Yeah. And then we had to drive them like, I don't know what, 10, 10, 15 it miles. Was, Maybe even they, like it was, if they had to walk, it would take them a long time. Like, towns <laughs> in Iceland are, like, five yeah. people. You know what I mean? Like, it would have took them a long time to where we were going. There's one – we passed one gas station in, like, three hours. Put it that way. You know what uh-huh. I mean? There's nobody out there. <laughs> and then we finally, like, drop them off. Or, like, when we're in the car, and we're like, wait, what were you guys going to do if we didn't give you a ride? Or if we weren't there, if we weren't at that hot spring. Yeah, or anything. And then that's when they uh, said the word. And they just said – Tataradas and they said Tataradas. We're like, what the heck does that mean? And it was like, it is what it is, or like, what what will be will be, or something. Yeah, whatever happens, it always works out, and it yeah, it always works out. out. You know, along those lines, and we're like, well, for the rest of the trip, that's that's it. it. <laughs> and by trip, we mean our whole life. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't quit. Life is a trip. It really is. It's crazy though, because that really did happen several other times. You know, there was times in Paris where our car wasn't working the right way because we, uh, we freaking, uh, the, the AC wasn't working. It was yeah. too hot. We had to go get a new one or, you know, we were driving to, uh, Southern France to Cannes and 
I was thinking about this, Bryce. I don't know if we ever talked about this part, but we slept on the way from Leon to Con in that little parking lot. Remember, we were sweating crazy. We slept there, and we over, we wanted to pull over like an hour, and we overslept for several hours. And by the when we got to Con, we got there at the exact moment those kids were at the bar watching France win the World Cup semifinals. Oh yeah, really? Like if we didn't fall asleep, like we were pissed at ourselves for falling asleep. If we didn't fall yeah. asleep. We might not have like crossed paths with them at the right time, and who knows? That was one of the coolest days of my life. Oh, it was so much fun. We were just it was so much fun. We were, like we weren't doing it, but we were with the kids that were like running parades through. Per- the- they were ru- they started a citywide party for winning the World <laughs> Cup semis. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was oh, so crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. I think my sister time. was in France when they they won. Really. Um, Dude, yeah. Bryce was in Moscow, oh, where gosh. the World Cup was happening. But I, really? I flew out too soon. I flew out. Oh, too you soon. did? I didn't know yeah. if you. I, I forgot if you left or not. No, yeah, I flew out too soon, so I actually didn't get to experience anything. Would you guys yeah. do it again? A hundred times. Over. We we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we've been trying to figure out this like when the quarantine thing will chill out. That's why I was trying to get him to come to Wyoming because you can't really quarantine people from the mountains. So that's why. Finally, his girlfriend. Finally, his girlfriend has a freaking passport. Yes, yeah, so we can we can get it going now. Yeah, we can invite her this time. <laughs> must, <laughs> do, must do, must <laughs> do. <laughs> now it'll be fun. Uh, so and, and y'all y'all got to video it all, and then when you get back, you got to talk about it on this. By y'all, do you mean you guys? Guys, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean y'all. You guys is <laughs> you all. You guys. <laughs> Uh, how did you two get connected? Yeah, how did that happen? Twitter. Yeah, it was Twitter. Here's the story. So he would tweet all the time during the day, like nonstop. And I was like, that's fire. This, this kid, because I could tell he's a kid, you know, he wasn't an adult. <laughs> Dang. I just went into his DMs. Dude. dude, I slid right in those DMs and I was Dang. like, hey, are you a kid? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, are you homeschooled because you tweet all the time? And he's like, yeah. I was, dude, I thought that too, Jude. I thought so. He tweeted at me one time, asking. I, I said, I like, I want to do a clinic in, in Tennessee. Yeah, and he that. tweeted at me, and I he set up a clinic. I thought it was uh, a dad with uh-huh. his son as the profile picture. Yeah, Boy, that was the first. Me up with the clinic in down in Tennessee, bro. Guys, yeah, you got to. You got to go. Is it Memphis? This corn- yeah, it's yeah, Memphis. Memphis. Beautiful, beautiful sick, facility. Beautiful. In. Memphis is like, I want to be careful what I say because this is a compliment to the city. Oh. Memphis, is like, Memphis is like a hood Nashville. Way more fun. It way is. more fun <laughs> and way cooler. It's, way it's dope. story when you're in Memphis, I'm like, that place looks pretty cool. There's all the street dancing and all the nonsense. Dude, if nonsense, you go to Memphis, dude. you got to go to Beale Street. It's see the flippers. complete nuts. The flippers. That's awesome. It's like man. it's kind of like a New Orleans type of thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a New Orleans vibe, but not as dirty. Yeah. You know, yeah. Bryce, we should. Uh, me and Bryce are actually doing these clinics this summer. You know, I usually go on a, a big road trip, but we want to have one in both of our home states. Or was it New Jersey or, or, or Wyoming? You wanted yours? Everywhere. Uh, yeah, everywhere. Obviously, but I'm everywhere. saying <laughs> typically, I feel like this is what I want to do at least. Typically, club. We'll reach out, hey, come here, you know, et cetera. Uh, but I want to host my own one time, you know. So 
I have a guy in Cleveland who will give me his room for the weekend. And sure, I might pay him an overhead, but I, 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 you know, charge everything and, 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 you know, I don't have to be called in by yes. uh, team coach owner already. And I want to do that with Bryce. I want that to happen in Ohio this summer at some point if this COVID stuff calms down. If Sam wasn't wrestling at the state tournament, maybe we can have had it done by now, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but, no, if, if this COVID stuff clears up, you and Bryce need to come to a camp in Memphis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your shoulders, are your shoulders ready for the bar half, though? For Bryce's bar half? Bar half. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. But you're it not going to do it on me. Come on. No, I Someone else. Come on. No. Don't do no, that to me. You're my dummy. Oh, great. Here we go. When am I going <laughs> hey, hey, to Johnny. Sam? Johnny, do you Sam, remember when, I, when are you bringing me down, dude? Whenever you come down. Okay. <laughs> Johnny, What'd do you, you remember when, uh, when Sam Lee, what, what, did he hurt your ribs on that gut wrench? No, I uh, at the U.S. Open or it happened at the U.S. Open, but it got really yeah. bad at, at last chance qualifier. I I did something to my rib. I don't know if it was yeah. cartilage. I never got looked at. It was just extremely painful. And I had uh, I had the camp with you guys. Yeah. Like two weeks later, and it wasn't from getting squeezed. It was like the way I turned my torso. I twisted. And I just freaked. Yeah. I freaked out. Hurt so bad. <laughs> But I've been I've been pretty fortunate. I think me and Bryce both have been pretty fortunate with injuries throughout our career. Like I've never had anything bad. I broke an ankle, but that's like the extent of it. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Bryce? I uh I had shoulder surgery one time and it was just after my junior year of college. So I forgot about that. It wasn't even bad though. I, I forget that I even had it. I swear, dude. dude. Exactly. People ask me people ask me, I'm like, no, I've never had surgery on anything like other than like my nose, you know, like that's what I'll say. And then I'll be like, oh, wait, I did. I had shoulder surgery. but I You forget. Because it was so minimal, I just – I took, like, the three months right out of season and just did it really quickly, and then I was ready. And I just forget. I have no problems with it. I was so, I'm so fortunate, man. Dude, I think the human body is going up. And this might be just me BSing. I have no <laughs> facts to back this up. But going up in the age for your prime. Like, I feel 20 years old. I'm 27. I feel – super young. I feel super healthy. I feel like I could run a marathon right now. And you know how, like when you, you know, you guys are obviously still in high school and middle school. So you don't know this yet, but right now you could wrestle really, really hard live today and then do it again tomorrow. In college, it's hard to do that. You wrestle live. Um, like so let's say you do 30 minutes live, you do three, four matches. It's really, really hard to do that. And then do it the exact same thing again the following day. Sometimes you, you go high, low, high, low. That's what and, NCAAs uh, is. Yeah, it's obviously like that. But I just feel like my body feels so good now. And they used to say, like, your peak athleticism is, I think they used to say, like, 27, you know, for, like, baseball, basketball, football, like, 27, 28. Yeah. Like, there's there's no way. There's no way. Because I feel fa I feel so young. I feel fantastic. So, well, I, I don't think know. Our, I think our, I think our um, science and health and exercise has improved. 100%. And you understand a better diet and what what keeps you feeling better. Like, Kyle Dake is one of those guys that is so into all that sciencey stuff to make himself feel better. Um, yeah. That's a good point. I, I mean, yeah, I no, Bryce, this is Bryce's department. Bryce knows a lot about this stuff. I'm curious to know what he thinks. No, 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 that's not mine. Really? No, I'm, I'm as bad as they come, bro. Or do you <laughs> think that you're, do you think you feel healthy for 25? Oh yeah. hundred percent. But like, I, I don't do recovery as, as much as I should. I'm not right. like crazy about my nutrition. I'm not like a slob by any means, but like, well, does, does living with Pat Downey help with that diet? 
<laughs> no, like, we can't. We can't use like we can't use someone like LeBron as an anomaly because he's thirty four and he looks like he plays. You know, like he's twenty eight still, or even Tom Brady because he's another anomaly as well. But there's a lot of people that are competing at a high level at like in their mid thirties. Yeah, there's a lot of people, and it's, it's incredible. Yeah, for me, I'm. It's always like I just have to stay active doing other things with my wrestling. Yeah. Like if I one thousand percent, I feel like my body feels really, really good. But if I'm just like, I don't know, if I get stuck just like wrestling, going to bed, wrestling, going to bed, I feel like that's when my body actually starts like breaking down and stuff. Like I have to yeah. like, it sounds silly, but like I gotta go play at the park. I gotta go play soccer with somebody. I gotta you go have to. Like I gotta jump, like jump off a bridge. Like even like for my body, it's like just like you know, it's like active recovery all the time, and you know, like literally just like stretching all the time randomly and just like weird stuff like that. Where um, it's not as like me, I don't have to go get in the ice bath every single day or anything like that. But I don't know. I've just been very fortunate. A a good feeling body, I think too. Well, you ever see a lot of these? And all right, you know, just so people listening know i am going to talk a little bit of crap about people's lifestyle right now and if it offends you maybe it should a little bit but there's guys who never wrestled in college and they went straight into coaching they're good high school wrestlers not great or didn't maybe love enough or didn't want to didn't have the opportunity whatever it is didn't wrestle in college they start coaching right out of high school right and they start coaching youth or maybe then go back to their own high school and they start coaching at their high school by age 27 28 they look like they haven't wrestled in yeah. eight years. You know what I mean? And I do think a big part of, and I'll only use wrestling as an example, a big part of being able to feel young is continuing to wrestle. In, I'm saying young in our sport is right. continue to wrestle for as long as you can. Not compete, but get on the mat with your guys. Like, don't just sit on the wall the whole time, you know? And yeah, obviously you break down a lot. Like Bryce said, you need like breaks and, and different stuff, you know, so you don't plateau, but. Dude, so many people just sit on the wall and coach, and then by, you know, before they're thirty, they 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 look like they they haven't wrestled in ten years. You yeah. know, yeah. I always say this, man. No matter, so people that are lazy, they have knee problems and back problems, and they have to have surgery. People that are active have knee problems and back problems and have to have surgery. So you might as well be freaking the active person. You might as well get some. Unless baby. you're Tom Ryan, though. Dude, Tom is an incredible. Yeah, player. you know, and and like. But like a body in motion stays in motion is like the truest thing, you know. It seriously it's, is. Work, working out is the fountain of youth. Yeah, it is. One thousand. Not even working out, just being active. Like I climbed, I climbed, I hiked this mountain the other day. I don't know if I said this on the podcast or before we started recording, but these people were incredible freaking people. There was this guy in his sixties. He looked like he was thirty years old. He was super fit, and I asked him what he does for a living. Now this is a, a lifestyle choice. This isn't for everybody, but he has one of those vans that he souped out and it's not homeless looking. It's really, really modern looking and really classy. He travels the country. He's hiked like 3000 miles uh, in, in the past year. You know what I mean? Like he just travels the country hiking because that's what he loves to do. He's active and that's why he looks as young as he does. Now his is, is an extreme case. Nobody's going to expect you to live in a van and hike all day, every day and still be able to afford living. But being active is a fountain of youth. It really is. The- it's like cool, spiritual, man. mental, physical health, man. Like you just got to be active with all of it. And what me and Bryce, I feel like what me and you know, realize the most is everybody sees Instagram 
and they see these incredible places people post. Let's say someone posts a really beautiful waterfall or like you, John. just, yeah, just anything, right? And I used to be, before I was able to travel and see stuff, you, Instagram only shows destinations. And that's metaphorical because that's, that's not always, yeah, it's not always like location destination. Sometimes they'll only show getting your hand raised in wrestling. You know, right. I'm, I've never yeah. posted a training picture in my life ever. So what I realized is these pictures that when people come up to me, they're like, dude, how, how have you post such like cool places? Like, how do you go? It's like, you have no idea the amount of effort it takes to get somewhere. You right. have no idea. It is my body's broken down afterwards. My feet hurt. My knees hurt. My neck hurts. I slept in an airport for two nights. I, you know, had to hike six miles to get to this place. I ran this way. Bryce almost broke his ankle running to that, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the crash site in, uh, in Iceland. Like there's a million things that happen and you just don't realize all the effort it takes to get somewhere. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool dynamic. I like, and that's what I like. I almost like the, me and Bryce running through the, the muck before we get to our destination more yeah. than actual, like the view at the end. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's more fun. Well, it's more well, memorable. The majority of your, your Blue journey. Lagoon story was talking about how you got to the, uh, that natural spring. Exactly. So. Yeah. So. It's, I mean, it's funny, right? It's, it's truly is. It's about the journey, not the, not necessarily the destination. Like you're like, man, we want to get in that hot spring and you have this awesome time getting there and you get there and you're like, great <laughs> now what well, that's a lot of people a lot of people accomplish their their goals and they win the state tournament and they say well now like i don't feel any different now what you know what i mean and it's because they identify too much with like their outcome then yeah, they identify with the state champ instead of identifying like with the lifestyle mm -hmm. jordan said that about his ncaa title this morning what do you um, say he said he felt that same thing like he won his first ncaa title junior year and he was like well now what do i do Exactly. That's how it is, man. It's crazy. I could talk a lot about what Travell tells me, but I know we're running out of time, but yeah. he says some cool stuff about identity. It's very, very interesting. Travell's awesome. He's the mm -hmm. man, dude. Well, guys, I think that about wraps it up. Thanks so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. We'll have to run it back. Love you guys. I was like, oh, I got to give a quick shout out to our boy Dyson Gould. Um, cause I was like, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to interview Bryce Meredith here pretty soon. And me and Sam want to reconnect with Johnny. And he's like, why don't you guys just do them both together? I was like, best idea. <laughs> and it was awesome. Oh, it was, yeah, I mean, I wish I thought of it, but Dyson, he's the man. He's who we have to, to, we owe this to him. So, um, no, we're for sure. We'll run it back again sometime. Hell yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having us guys. I appreciate it. No sure. Yeah, thank you guys. See, see y'all. See y'all.